welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you're planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're sharing our very favorite day hikes of the National Park Service. We'll also chat about an awesome upcoming event and answer a question about taking advice from rangers. Okay, you can stop dancing now. Well, I just had to act like I was hearing the music that we're playing on the podcast. Can you go get me a sweatshirt? No, you uh, get yourself a sweatshirt. It's so cold. Yeah. It's, guys, it's like four degrees in our house. I think it's colder in our house than it is. It literally was colder out in here than outside this afternoon, but um, I don't know how that happens, actually. But we're saving a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> we don't just like living in an icebox. This is how my life is always in the winter. Well, sorry, we're pinching pennies. Just get used to it. Pinching pennies. No, so we live in an, a nice big old house that is not well insulated, um, and also we don't turn the heat on, so that's probably the main reason we're cold. Uh, go that's figure. That's the only reason we're cold. <laughs> but it, it's finally gotten colder, and I've been spoiled by all this um, record-breaking October and November days, so... Yep, we actually last, you remember last year when we thought we would escape the winter weather? That was, we routed our trip so we'd be Oh yeah, we were so cold. (laughs) This time last year we were in, uh, well this time last year we were in Florida. So that part was warm. That was not the worst part. No, we, but we had really cold nights in Acadia National Park in late October last year. Yeah, and then, you know, the beginning of this year... We are in Big Bend and Hot Springs in January, Hot Springs February. Sound, Hot Springs sounds nice, doesn't it? Doesn't sound cold at all. Yeah, too bad you don't get in the Hot Springs. Actually, <laughs> you want to talk about something a little more cheerful than being cold? Yeah, let's see. What all do we right. Got? So today, this week for parks in the news, um, we're actually talking about something that's in the news for once, um, and it's this little event that I like to call. No, they like to call. <laughs> REI's Opt Outside second annual event is happening on Black Friday, and they started this big campaign last year to get everyone to, you know, not focus the day on Black Friday shopping shopping or getting the best deals. Yeah, being a consumer, but on absorbing the outdoors and spending time with friends and family and and just getting outside, choosing to be outside instead of inside in the stores. So basically they they closed they close their doors on that day and they pay their employees to explore. They pay their employees to go outside. Yeah, um, not just their doors too, but also their whole online website. So you right. couldn't buy anything at REI, in-store or online, because they wanted all their employees to get outside. And that's, you know, we love that message. Um, That was actually super ironic, though, last year for Opt Outside. We were in Florida. We had just finished visiting Biscayne, and we were taking a break for Thanksgiving. Uh, Had a nice (laughs) buffet, just the two of us, Thanksgiving buffet. the only day of the whole year where we were inside 
like the whole day. Yeah. Well, there was that little bit of time where we walked into the Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> we we were the worst last week, last year. We did do some Black Friday shopping and kind of got caught up in that. But this well, year, yeah, I give we us did. a pass. We totally did. We shot. We did some online shopping and got, got some Christmas stuff done. But this year, we are going to focus a little bit more on trying to be outside and we'll be in Louisville so maybe we'll go play some disc golf we'll see but anyway the thing I wanted to talk about was an article I read that this year REI is teaming up with a bunch of different um, organizations and one of the organizations is called Skedaddle and together REI and Skedaddle they are setting up a coordinating transportation free transportation from REI stores to the national parks on Black Friday for Are free. Are you serious? That's awesome. <laughs> what did you just ask me? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> You're shivering. <laughs> <your problem. laughs> um, yeah, so I read that and I thought it was so cool. So basically, Boston, Denver, San Francisco, Seattle, Washington, D.C., free rides. You can sign up on their website and get a free ride from their store to the national parks on Black Friday. Isn't that cool? Oh, so it's only like the elite... REI stores. <laughs> that makes it less cool. What about us in St. Louis, yeah, lowly Midwest? Are they going to drive us to the arch? <laughs> like, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, they should just drive us to the Grand Canyon. There you go. That's that's asking a little bit much of Skedaddle, <laughs> I think. All right, are you ready to get to the weekly uh, shame fest? <laughs> what I like to call the quiz? Yeah, okay. bring it on. So this one's pretty easy, and, and I'm sure you might know some of these things, and some of them are too obscure that there's no way you'll know them. So it'll be fast, quick, and painless. We'll see. True or false? True or false? Okay. Number one. This is all has to do with REI's opt-out side. So number one, last year, 1.4 million people opted outside, used it, used the hashtag opt-outside. True or false? True. True, yes. Ding, ding, ding. Good job. Number two. REI will close its doors, but you can still make purchases online. Oh, uh, false. We yes. just said that. Yeah, we just talked about yeah. that. Good job. Um, two for two. Don't cheat. Uh, sorry. I was not looking. Number three. REI's 12,000 employees all get paid to go outside. False. They just get encouraged. Uh, true. No, they get paid to go outside. Oh. I mean, they're not forced to go outside, but that's the whole concept. That's kind of what I was saying. Oh, thinking. so they get paid that day. They get paid that day. They don't oh. just get it off. No, oh, they get wow. paid that day. Okay. Number four, all 59 national park organizations, so like Friends of Blank and the Conservancies, all of those organizations are supporting the cause, our partners. True. False. Only 13, but 13 of them are, plus the, the NPS is also. Okay. So that's pretty cool. Interesting. Um, number five, this year... Uh, 100 organizations, about 100 organizations, like Skedaddle, are partnering with REI. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, yeah, it's, it's over 400. I was just trying to trick you there. So false. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you said over 100. I said about 100. Okay, well, I heard over 100, so we'll count that one. We'll, we won't count that one. <laughs> All right, so... Good job, Cole. But anyway, this is just kind of our message to you guys to reiterate the the whole concept of getting outside and enjoying enjoying experiences and not, you know, not focusing your whole day on things. 
especially since you don't get the day off, you know, very often, at least, you know, most people don't. Um, hopefully you have Black Friday off. And since you hopefully have it off, you take advantage of it and go do something you may not be able to normally do because you could always normally go shopping. Um, but yeah, just a disclaimer, we are not sponsored by REI oh, or anything wish. like that. Yeah, We wish we were. Um, hey, REI. Yeah. Hook so. us up. We just really like them. How many, how, this should be the, that should have been the next true or false question. We have spent a million dollars on REI garage sales. <laughs> true. <laughs> Something like that. All right. All right. Good quiz. Shall we get to the main event? Yes. Now that we are eight minutes into our podcast. Yes. Okay. So you might have seen from the title of this here podcast that we are talking about our Top 10 day hikes of our trip. So what does it take to be a day hike? Um, our criteria was actually 5 to 10 miles long, a moderate to strenuous hike, gorgeous views, not too crowded. Um, and this is, so it it doesn't take into anything into account anything under 5 miles, and it doesn't take into account um, longer hikes that we did as part of a backpacking overnight. Yeah, we'll get to those. <laughs> yeah, those are separate lists. And just as a another disclaimer, we visited a lot of parks in the off season and a lot of things were inaccessible due to snow. So if we're reading this list and you're like, what? Like trail and glacier didn't make the cut? Well, that's because we couldn't hike in glacier. We couldn't hike in Grand Tetons, unfortunately, well, much. We did, yeah. we did a little. We yeah. did a little bit of the lower elevation hikes. But we will, that is definitely in our future, I would say. Yeah. So just know that this is our experience and all of these trails are amazing and you'll love them. I'm, I'm positive. Yeah, we guarantee will. you will not go wrong or be disappointed with any of these. Um, and we have done a lot of trails. So we had plenty to choose from. And we first of all narrowed it down to the five to 10 mile trails and then made a top 10 from there. So we're excited to share it with y'all. And because really day hikes are the best. I think they're the best way to see the park. I think that, you know, five to 10 miles is long enough to where you can bring a lunch. You can get far enough away from some of the crowded spots in the parks, but you can also see uh, some incredible things and awesome views. Um, you also get, you know, if you're not doing a backpacking hike, you get to travel lightly. So maybe a, back, a just a little day pack, some water. Um, yeah, so it's perfect. It's perfect, especially if you have more than one day. Like if you only have a few hours in the National Park, you might want to still hit the highlights. But if you have, you know, two days or even just a long day in the park, we would highly suggest doing some kind of day hike to just get you out of the the main hub. Yeah, of, it really of, pays off just to get a couple miles into the wilderness. Sure. All right, so let's get started. And I just sorted these in order of when we visited them. So they're not in order of our favorites or anything. So number one, we have a trail called, an area called Music Pass. And we hiked, this was in Great Sand Dunes National Park. Um, really in the preserve area, I guess. So music pass to Upper Sand Creek Lake. And the stats on this this hike, nine miles round trip, 2,000 feet elevation gain. And it's actually an extra five miles round trip if you don't have a four-wheel drive car. So for us, it was actually 13 miles, which would push it out of the criteria. 
technically we're already messing this up (laughs) (laughs) no but it was worth it for sure and it was amazing you know if you can cut that extra couple miles um it's definitely worth it because it's not a great section you know those first two and a half miles are just going up this big gravelly road road. Yeah. yeah and um, we tried to bike up it for a little bit. Remember that? Yeah, this was, okay, keep in mind, this was day two yeah, of our had, whole trip. We had just drove like 14 hours across Kansas over the past two days or whatever. That Kansas isn't that long, but from <laughs> from St. Louis. Yeah, um, we, yeah, so we were like sprightly. Yeah, I think back then I'm like, how were we that sprightly? We were like gung-ho to do this. We... It ended up, for us, it was about 14, 15 miles round trip. If you have a four-wheel drive and you can get up the road, then it was would only be about nine miles round trip. But so gorgeous. Definitely some elevation gain going on. Um, definitely tested our altitude adaptation. <laughs> um, but it was great. It was beautiful. And, and Alpine Lakes was just, like, it was just a picturesque way to start our trip. Yeah, we so you climb up to the Music Pass portion, and then you're looking into this basin where you can see these 14,000-foot peaks on the far side, and then you look over the other side of the pass, and it just opens up into you know the flatter foothills. Um, and then you just drop into the ba- this huge basin, and you're going through uh, wildflower meadows, and then you're coming past these different lakes and everything. And we were able to get up to one of the higher lakes, Upper Sand Creek, right at the base of some of these mountains. And it was an awesome way to start the trip. Oh, so good. And so different from the rest of the park, which is obviously the sand dunes. Like most people think of just the sand dunes, and there's so much more. Yep. to the park the the alpine area is gorgeous so, so as as usual we're spending about five minutes on the first one and we have to hustle to keep it moving yeah. so number two <laughs> we got the subway in zion national park um, this one is interesting because it's a very competitive permit system so you really have to play the game there but we got lucky and we were able to score a walk-up permit um, day of it was the day after labor day too it was right crowded weekend um and so these things are possible i guess is what i'm trying to say we did the bottom up route because we don't have you know a repelling equipment which is required for the top down route um but nine miles round trip about um the first part is really really steep you're just descending into this little valley into this little canyon and then you're just hiking along a creek so it's elevation is somewhat negligible except for that first stretch which is very steep and the approach actually surprised me because it was so long to actually get to the subway part um but that approach you're just following the creek the whole time for the first and it's so pretty know, three and a half miles and it's gorgeous there were these nice little swimming holes if you get if it's too hot that we kind of dipped into at some point and you're climbing up waterfalls and then you finally get to the section and it's unmistakable um looks like just two parentheses you know like a subway tube that you're about to pass through and um it just totally unique uh, so that's about you know that part only lasts for actually less than a quarter mile so yeah all the way it goes all the way back into these like deep aqua pools 
different little little pools and we kind of waded through all the way to the back and it gets the very back is this kind of hidden I think it's called hidden falls hidden it's a hidden waterfall in the back of this canyon and that signifies the very end yeah you can't go farther than that <laughs> yeah, we, we tried it, I think but... they call it the waterfall room because it's yeah. a separate little it's very cool and actually people who are coming the top down way who are more experienced canyoneers and have gear to kind of drop down these canyon walls that's where they drop down into the canyon part from on top of that waterfall that we right. stopped at so yeah that's the subway the subway our favorite hike in zion really cool it's made a lot of lists already yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, number three, we have Wheeler Peak, the summit of Wheeler Peak. This is in Great Basin National Park, which was on our top 10 list. If you, a few podcasts back, you might have heard us talking about Great Basin as one of those kind of surprise, amazing parks. Um, The stats are 8.6 miles round trip and 2,900 feet of elevation gain, gain. So very steep, very tough, very strenuous, I would say. Especially the last section, you're just kind of, um, uh, you're climbing up scree. Yeah. Loose rocks. And, and you it know, makes all that fun clinking sound when you're stepping all over it. I like that part. <laughs> it's the little things. <laughs> <laughs> the little things. Yeah. So, but before that, you have the part where you're just starting to go up the mountain and you're still in all the aspens and everything. And when we were there, it was September, so they were all starting to turn golden and everything, and that part was gorgeous. Uh, And then, of course, once you start climbing, you just get above everything, and it's basin and range country in Nevada, which just means it's a bunch of mountain ranges and basins for as far as you can see. Uh, And it was incredible we also met toby and rodrigo two of our favorite people we met on our whole trip at the top they made us they had made a sign and we, we <laughs> asked if we could borrow it so they made an like a summit sign yeah for the, the top of wheeler peak because it's like 13 something it's the second highest peak in nevada right and um and so we struck up a conversation and talked to them and we actually you know six months later we stayed with them in las vegas and when we were passing it through, was awesome yeah they're it's awesome a, people yeah the people you meet on Right. You know, these trails are just always sharing, so cool. Sharing a summit with someone, I think, will do that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> because that, you've, you have that elated feeling of accomplishment and breathlessness. And it's just... it's just And you a, always have to wait for 30 minutes at least to before you start going down. Right, to make it worth it, yeah. And remember when we were going down, we were basically running from the lightning. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah. that was a little scary. <laughs> yeah, it and people were still bad. going up passing us going up and we we thought they were crazy we were okay yeah it wasn't like lightning chasing us you know striking our shoelaces or anything but um we we knew it was time to get down and it's also time for number four so sulfur creek yeah so we making our way we were making our way across utah and this was in capitol reef um national park this is an interesting one it's kind of similar to if you know of the Narrows from Zion, um, but we liked it a lot more because we didn't see a single person when we were on it. Um, totally. So basically it's 5.5 miles one way. Um, and then, so you can either walk back, hike back the same way. You can hike back on the road. We set up a, our, we had a bike at one end and our car at the other end. So Cole was able to bike back and um, we then drove back and met 
me when I was just waiting at the visitor center, which yeah. is nice. It was exhausting. Um, that hike or bike, it was so hot and it was so much more uphill than I remembered. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, yeah, no it was a lot. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> No, the, the trail itself though was not difficult. It was amazing, and the elevation is negligible somewhat. Yeah. The only the the tough part is that you're kind of down climbing some waterfalls at at points. Three different waterfalls. Three different waterfalls. So you just kind of it's some of it's just a little bit takes a little bit of navigation to climb down some of the big rocks, but so pretty. And the canyon walls rise up on both sides really high, and the light is coming through all all orange and and uh sparkly <laughs> yeah and very pretty did you mention the part where it's an actually a route sure no i didn't okay Go sometimes ahead. i don't listen when you talk so i i forgot thanks Cole. <laughs> no so it's actually not a specific <laughs> trail um they just call it a route because it's not maintained you because it's a creek that you're wading through so it's not a trail it's just a way that you can pick through the the wash at first as you're approaching the creek um the sandy wash and then when you get in the creek um and there are still maps about it and everything but we recommend might, you won't might not find it on general trail descriptions yeah they don't call it a trail because you know then they would have to maintain it <laughs> so it was um, our little secret yeah we would recommend trekking poles for sure if you're gonna if you're gonna go um some parts are a little wobbly because of course you're walking through a creek but it was amazing. So one of the, our favorite hikes, obviously, of the whole trip. Number five also stays around Utah in Arches National Park was Devil's Garden Loop. So this one made the list. I was actually a little skeptical at first, but then Elizabeth started reminding me of all the awesome arches that were just scattered all throughout the trail there were what'd you say seven seven this and this is a trail that of our list this one is definitely the most like popular yeah pop well definitely the most popular and crowded but also the most user-friendly i would say like as far as difficulty um so we wanted to throw one on there that was a lot less strenuous um 7.6 miles round trip so it's still pretty long nice little loop um you see seven arches some of our favorites, uh, Landscape Arch, the really skinny one. Yeah, really I think the longest one. in North America. That they say is going to, probably in our lifetime, just collapse, right? Ooh. I think so. I don't know. And then Double Arch, you know, it's got, uh, or Double O Arch, uh, two arches stacked on top of each other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, weird stuff and like that. And then there was the, oh, I should have written this down. What was the, the Dark Angel? Is that what it was called? Right. The thing that just sticks straight up out of the ground. Like a huge monolith almost yeah very cool so again family friendly easier trail to do um that's not crazy elevation gain or anything the next one maybe not as family friendly and this actually takes us a long ways so we we did arches in i guess october and then this next one, remember, we're going in chronological order. This next one wasn't until Guadalupe Mountains National Park, which we hit in February. It was um, winter, guys. <laughs> yeah, and that just means that those and national parks in the east didn't have a ton of super long day hikes. Right. Um, we thought about stuff like Ramsey Cascades and Great Smoky Mountains and stuff. And there but, are definitely some shorter ones that made our list. Yeah. Um, but not these, like, 
you know, five to 10 mile ones. So Guadalupe Peak Trail is the, the trail that was our favorite in Guadalupe Mountains. And this is the highest point in Texas. And that's, and you can really tell because once you're up there and, and basically it's in New Mexico, essentially, it's so close to New Mexico that it's in the, you know, it's in the mountains. You're mostly looking at New Mexico. <laughs> um, Texas is so big. <laughs> this trip, this trail is 8.4 miles round trip with 3000 feet of elevation gain. So it is very steep and very strenuous, but definitely doable. And the trail is really well maintained and, and not too steep in any part, so it's just unrelenting is all. <laughs> right, and going up actually wasn't a problem for me at least. I hated going down. And I love I love that. I uh, Well, I, I hated it because up. I got so sick. Yeah. That was kind of the one time in the trip where I just got so sick climbing down this mountain. I don't know if it was from all the elevation change we'd been going through or the cold nights or what. And we, we both got sick when we... You know, we flew from 90-degree American Samoa to 20-degree Hot Springs, Arkansas, and transitioned so quickly that I was sick most of Big Bend, which is the park we went to next, and then we went from Big Bend to Guadalupe. So we were both still a little... Cole got really fevery, and um, but anyway, still makes the list, I think. Oh, Just yeah. gorgeous views. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's got, like, a little mailbox and everything for the highest point in Texas at the top. A little marker. Yeah, really popular with all those people trying to get to the highest point in each state. So that was yeah, cool to read through the logbook. Read through the logbook and, you know, people were, yeah, like he said, just visiting all the top, the highest points in each state. And that was so such an interesting little bucket list, we thought. So let's see. Number seven, I guess now, is all the way out in California, the nation's newest national park, Pinnacles National Park. Um, we loved High Peaks Loop is what it's called. It was, it just kind of takes you into the pinnacles of um, the, the park and you get really high above everything. Um, and it, one of the cool things is that you have really good likelihood of seeing the California condors, which are a very endangered species and just these gigantic birds uh, way bigger than bald eagles. We saw six of them on our way down. Wow, yeah. I, right? Right. I'm, sh- I'm sure we did. <laughs> I think I, it was six. I think we counted six and they're just so big. Oh my gosh. And they're just gigantic birds. Um, the really cool part of High Peaks, the trail for me was the steep and narrow section. That's what it's called on the map. So make sure you don't bypass it. They might scare you about it for some reason, but it was really cool. And it was basically these um, like iron rungs drilled into the rocks. And so you're really just climbing up this ladder and it's it's just a lot Walking more fun. Along this it's ledge a lot more scrambly. And, yeah. Uh, but it wasn't too scary for me and I'm terrified of heights. So <laughs> you'll be fine. So that was 9.3 miles round trip and 1,500 feet elevation gain. Yeah, so not hard, not too bad, not too hard for sure. Um, very pleasant. We we can't, we always use that word when we talk about pinnacles, but it's so true. Is that we just had a very yeah. nice time, and it wasn't like mind blowingly beautiful at every turn you take, but it was just very nice and a very very uh, pleasant experience. Next, we got number eight. It's a big one in Yosemite National Park, Yosemite Point, actually. 
so that's not one of the trails you immediately think of when you think Yosemite in the valley of Yosemite but it was definitely our favorite and it actually we were just planning to go up to Upper Falls uh, Upper Yosemite Fall I guess um, and that was just to get really good views of the main Yosemite Fall uh, Upper Yosemite Fall and Lower Yosemite Fall but then once you get up there all the way on top of the waterfall um, it's a pretty good view of the waterfall and everything and you can see a fair amount of the um, valley the Yo beautiful Yosemite Valley but we were really glad we decided to just go a little farther point eight. yeah okay point eight mm -hmm. farther up to Yosemite Point um, when we were there it was March I guess so we were hiking through all the snow that was still up at that upper elevation and got to Yosemite Point which was right on the ledge and it was a point so it opens up and you can see this incredible panorama of the whole valley all around you up and, you, and down you just feel so high up like you feel like you have such a good vantage point which you do it's and you have a really good view of half dome um and everything just looks so below you it just it just makes it all look so it's just such, such a cool way to get up and out of the valley and really see it yeah and that was 8.8 .8 miles round trip and 3,000 feet elevation gain so Again, pretty tough. Yeah, good climb, but definitely, definitely crowded too. I would say the, especially if you go in the summer. Uh, we went in March and it was pretty crowded. The trail, not crowded, crowded, but we we, on our way down, it was very crowded. Yeah, um, because most people stop at Upper Yosemite Fall, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a way. Just going that little extra stretch is a really good way to. Um, to get away from the people and also earn your snacks in the gift shop, which is what I did while Cole kayaked. <laughs> I took a free shower. Yosemite is good for, good for that. <laughs> Shall so, we move on to Alaska? Yeah. So this is another big chunk of our trip. So from California, we you know moseyed up California, Oregon, Washington, around to Glacier, Rocky Mountains, Badlands, <laughs> and then all the way up to Alaska, and. This is very close to my very favorite hike of the whole trip. It was it was mind blowing. Am amazing. Um, Bonanza Mine Trail in Wrangell St. Elias National Park. Breathtaking. Like I can't, it, it's hard to describe in words the views that we saw. Um, the trail is nine miles round trip, thirty eight hundred feet of elevation gain, so super steep. I think the just, word they used was unrelenting. Oh, for sure. Which is very true. Yeah. <laughs> You're just slogging along up, 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 up. And, and it's a lot an old it, mining road, most of it. And so that's the part that's a little dull. <laughs> yeah. And then also once it gets, you know past that to the upper parts you're just hiking up this gravel which isn't great footholds so you're putting in extra effort it's very hard it was a very hard but once you get out off the mining road and onto the actual dirt trail you can see the mine so you can see the ruins of this mine rusted up in the corner <laughs> and that is really good motivation except it looks a lot closer than it actually is so then it's still a few maybe another mile and a half or so until you actually get to it um, but basically you get all the way up to the mine, awesome views of the whole, um, of the whole 
mining operation. Kennecott Valley. Yeah. Sorry, oh, that's what I'm okay. trying to think of. Kennecott, <laughs> Kennecott Valley. And then there's and another mine, tiny little ridge. Yeah, well, that, first, this, this mine is just okay. so in ruins. It's like a bunch of planks and all this old equipment and wiring and everything um, all just collapsing on the top of this mountain ridge and it's kind of all cascaded down so as you hike up you're passing all these old like pieces of junk basically that were left over from when the Kennecott mine was operating because um, they just took up and left they didn't care uh, when the mine ran out but okay so that's a cool part in itself and then you get I think mine's more interesting yeah, than that well okay then <laughs> you get kidding. to then you get there's one more little ridge and you might be tempted to not even go up and over it because it doesn't seem like it's it just seems like it's a little bit of a higher vantage point but i think that like that was the moment of m- the most joy i've experienced cuz you get up and over this tiny little hill and it well it's hard to get up it you have to kind of scramble but then the whole valley like double of what you've seen before opens up and what is that mountain called? Blackburn. Blackburn Mount. Yeah, Mount Blackburn is was on a clear day is just like right there, and it's this huge, huge. I think it's like eighteen thousand. Yeah. It's the tallest mountain we've ever seen before we saw the big one, <laughs> before we saw Denali, but just oh my gosh, incredible views and just so worth the hike. The Kenna Clock. The Kennecott Glacier and the Root Glacier all the way below you. You know, it, we could pick out the area where we were camping, and it just looked forever away. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we saw a, a mountain goat. Yep. Up top, yep. so that was really cool. Um, we finally got above them. It took a while, but <laughs> we were above the our mountain goat friend galloping below us. Um, Very cool. Super awesome trail. Yeah, and this is, by the way, in the McCarthy area near the whole Kennecott Visitor Center and yep. everything is where the trailhead starts from. The nine miles round trip is from the the town of Kennecott. Mm-hmm. All right. FYI, one final trail that we want to talk about today, and it's also in Alaska. Number 10 is Harding Icefield Trail in Kenai Fjords National Park. So this one. Can I have another favorite? Yes, yes. <laughs> this these were back to back, and it yeah. just kind of put oh, not us. Not really. We had a few days in between. Well, I, I guess that's true. We had a few parks in between. Yeah, that's true. But it was our. It was two big ones, really close to each other, and uh, man, it was just quintessential Alaska because you, the day before we had gone on this awesome ferry boat tour that took us uh, all around the fjords and saw incredible wildlife. And we were saying that you have to see Kenai Fjords by water. Like there is no other way. That's what we were thinking. And then we saw it by land. Which was just as good. Uh, oh, so beautiful. And so basically you're hiking up past Exit Glacier all the way up to the Harding Ice Field, which is what it's the, you know the big ice field that feeds into all the the glaciers around around the park and around the area, um, and so it's 8.2 miles round trip. This one's very steep. It's about 4,000 feet elevation gain to the to the end point. Um, a lot of that, at least two miles, I think, of that up one way would be snow. What, what, 
at least when we were there in the middle of July. So yeah. I can't imagine that there's that there's a time when there's less snow. <laughs> so be prepared for that. Good boot, good sturdy boots, and maybe some trekking poles too. Yeah, but you'll also see tons of wildlife. So we saw marmots and ptarmigans. Um, black bear with cubs. Yeah, then black bears way off in the distance and mm-hmm. some mountain sheep as well. Some um, mountain sheep. I don't know. Mountain goat. Doll sheep? Doll sheep. Doll sheep. That was probably what yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but those are way off, you know, on the cliff faces uh, beyond. And uh, we did a guided flowers, tour everything. of this too. We did, we did this as part of a ranger guided tour, which are a guided hike. Um, which we, Free. It's yeah. free on Saturdays in the summer, nine o'clock. I think it might change next year, but um, it was hard. We were expecting that it was going to be a little bit more of a, you know, an easier pace. And they had one the the what did they the hardy group and then the casual group. And we started with the hardy group, and we kind of faded back to the I kind of faded back to the back, um, and then we kind of just did our own thing after that. But it was nice to meet up with the ranger at the at the stops along the way so we could ask questions yeah i would almost recommend like if it's not convenient for you to fit that in your schedule don't worry about it for sure because the downside was that you're hiking the trail starting at the same time with basically a group of 40 people so lots of people on the trail at the same time as you um, it so made me th- feel better because I knew they, were, they said that you are likely to see a bear, and I, I felt better with a ranger personally. But it was fine. Like, the bear we saw was really far away and yeah. not a threat. And the ra- having the ranger there didn't add too much value to our experience. Yeah. Um, and the uh, – so two really cool things. First of all, when we got – up to the very top and had lunch, you know, uh, all around with the snow all around us. It was just so cool to look and see this massive snow field forever, um, ice field, I guess. Um, and then you could look down to your left and see the glacier just tumbling out from the ice field, and it just this blue, straight blue ice um, pouring down the mountain. Um, so that was awesome. And then also, remember that red stained snow that we saw? Yes. That was so weird, and we couldn't figure it out because it looked like this um, carcass had been dragged all that's, across the snow. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, and because it, it was just these streaks of red snow. And so we were actually able to ask the ranger about it, and she said that is actually an algae that grows on the snow Mm -hmm. so that was really interesting if you see some red snow there it's algae or maybe a carcass or a massacre because it was all over (laughs) um all right well that was our those were our 10 favorite day hikes of our whole entire trip guys this is exciting we're getting some of our best secrets out there i feel like yeah i just got favorites i just got all worked up talking about it again i'm ready to hit the trail again. i know man I am sad that we're not in the parks right now. So, again, day hikes are just such an awesome way to get out and see more of the park, escape the crowds a little bit. Um, We highly recommend finding your own favorite day hikes. There are so many more that, of course, we're not able to talk about because we maybe didn't get to hike them. 
we personally still have a lot more to see of the national parks as yeah. far as day hikes go. Yeah, we have a long list of of day hikes that we want to get to in Mount Rainier and Olympic and um, North Cascades and Yellowstone and Grand Teton. Everywhere. Basically everywhere. Especially Rocky those Mountain, places where it was Great Smoky pretty Mountains. snowy. Um, but yeah, so that's our list. Hope you like it. If you have other suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Uh, either send us a you know, voicemail or check out our blog and leave a comment on this post uh, because we're all, we always post the um, podcast on our blog along with the show notes. So and pictures, of course, of some of this stuff we're talking about. Yeah, please share with other people too that will be listening to this podcast and and learning more about the their you know even more favorite hikes. Yeah, especially if they're planning to planning a visit to one of these parks, um, they'll want to hit these trails. So share it and uh, check it out on the blog. So now we're going to hit a listener question. Uh, This is a really good question from Jamie, and she asked, do you ever ask for advice from rangers regarding what hikes they recommend or how difficult some trails were? If so, do you agree with their opinions, and how reliable were the park rangers' recommendations? This was such an awesome question because we thought about this all the time. You know, we interacted with rangers so often, and... We would say, I would say at least half of this yes and half of this question no. So we agreed with... Asking we, rangers for advice. We, we loved, always did that. We loved asking rangers for advice, especially if, you, you know, if you're talking to them for a couple of minutes, you can ask them for their favorite hikes and there may be secret hikes. Things like that are great. Rangers are such a, a wealth of knowledge in that area. Um, and also safety information, you know, when you get to a place you know nothing about, these people live there, you know, usually 24-7. So they're a great resource. Definitely use them. That being said, we did have a couple of issues with their um, recommendations for difficulty of trails. Yeah, that's just true. Because of, just because of who we were. So we weren't the average national park visitor by any means. Um, but we got frustrated sometimes because a ranger would, you know, go on and on and on and on and on and give us all these warnings and say that what we were doing was crazy. And this I'm specifically talking about the Grand Canyon hike that we did (laughs) (laughs) on and on and like basically shamed us into thinking that our trip was way too fast and we were going to fail and run out of water and die. (laughs) And then to find out that we, you know, we did the trail and it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. But so that was a little frustrating. Again, you know, the rangers have to really address the, you know, I guess lowest common denominator, if you will. <laughs> that sounds mean. But, you know, not everybody, uh, people are at very different levels when it comes to being, um, you know, Ready, ready for the wilderness. So, you know, they just have to make sure everybody is safe and prepared and knows the risks. And sometimes that means uh, talking about, you know, making sure we're, we're very warned. Um, yeah, especially some of the, like, time length, the length of hike recommendations were really off, we noticed, with the, yeah. you know, with the general 
uh, NPS brochures. We could usually cut the estimated time it took to do a trail by 30%. And that's not saying that we're super fast sprint hikers or anything. No, Um, that sounds horrible. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just that they build in a lot of cushion, we'll say. Yeah, so basically... All, we would always recommend talking to the rangers. Always, 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 always. Ask them, talk, you know, just strike up a conversation. Talk to them about what they recommend. But just take some of their safety recommendations with a grain of salt. That sounds like really bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess it comes down to just know yourself. Yeah, know yourself. That's know the yourself. best thing. And then <laughs> also it really helps to establish a bit of a rapport with the rangers. When you talk to them, hopefully if they have some time and they aren't flooded with a bunch of other people, you know, have a little bit of a longer conversation with them because they love talking about the parks just as much as we love being in them. Uh, and we, like we especially did that in Great Smoky Mountains when we went to get our backcountry permit to do a couple days hiking down the Appalachian Trail. And once we kind of, you know, established with the guy that, yeah, we're seasoned hikers and we've been doing this a lot, um, he was very willing to kind of open up to us and share some of his tips and secrets. And that's how we learned about this really cool spot as you're going northeast along the Appalachian Trail from um, the, you know, high pass, you're approaching Charlie's Bunyan. And then right before that, you take a left. I think it's called Boulevard Trail. And you go a point one down Boulevard Trail. And you get to this awesome viewpoint called the Jump Off. And he said that is way better than the place where all the crowds go to at Charlie's Bunyan. Um, because, first of all, all the people aren't there. And it just has a better angle and view. And you can look across and see Charlie's Bunyan in front of you, and then the whole valley of the Smokies, uh, all the mountains and everything. Unfortunately, it was pouring rain and and misty and <laughs> couldn't see four feet in front of you. So we, didn't, so we see, didn't get any of that. Yeah. But it was a good example of what oh, but super we good could advice. have seen. <laughs> super good recommendations. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Jamie, for your question. Yeah. And keep asking questions on Instagram. That's probably where I check the most and maybe Facebook and even Twitter and emails and things like that. Um, We would love, of course, for you to keep submitting those questions. And you could still be our first voicemail if you go to our blog (laughs) and find that uh, voicemail tab. And then we can actually put your own voice on the podcast and you'll be famous. We should just just, uh, do a pretend one. (laughs) I'll come in with a British accent. That would sound horrible. Let's do the outro with the British accent, Cole. Oh, God. <laughs> Thanks for... Uh, oh, my gosh. This is going to be horrible. Thanks for Thanks checking, for checking us out. Thanks for checking out our... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for checking us out today. We'll be back next week to talk about an exclusivity challenge that the national parks face. Specifically, we'll be featuring dry tortugas in Lake Clark. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, find us on Facebook and Instagram, you know the drill, and you can always get more National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. out.